We open God's word today to first the book of Psalms and then Isaiah. Psalm 32, how blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of the summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Isaiah 9, 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Can we join our hearts together in prayer? Oh, Holy Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come into your house, to cry out with those throughout the ages, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. We are so thankful to be able to be called your children today. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us of any ways that we have fallen short. Cleanse us so that your spirit would have freedom to move in our hearts, in our relationships, that we would feel your presence and know your will. As we open your, today, your, your word today, Lord, we pray that you would do something that I cannot, that you would speak to every heart, so that we might walk the good path you have before us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a supernatural week for me. I don't say that lightly, and it's not every week that it happens, but this week has been supernatural in many ways. It began on Monday because I just didn't know I had a preaching plan for some months, and, and uh, except for this Sunday, things kind of didn't know what I was going to preach. And so Monday morning, I came in, and uh, I, uh, I just asked that the Lord would guide me. And then I went to a, a lectionary and, and read some of the passages, and nothing really caught my attention except one verse. And when I say one verse, it's really just one word that kind of captured my thoughts for the entire week. Psalm 31:17 says, "Let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I call upon you." And the word that captured my attention throughout the week was shame. I'm not sure we think about it. We probably know about guilt. We could probably define it. Shame is kind of a, a different thing though. How is it different? How is guilt different from shame? 
wasn't sure, and so I started to read uh, some commentaries, and I studied some online, and, and that's where I came across this secret keeper who was named uh, Frank Warren. And he mentioned in that, that video that he had collected 500,000 secrets. It's up over a million today. And my head started to spin thinking about that. And, you know, my heart started to ache just a little bit when he started to think about all of these people who had such a deep hurt, a deep secret, that they just had such a hunger to share it with somebody. A million people. That got me to wondering that's a lot of people. Do, do a lot of people actually have painful secrets that they, they keep? And so I, I continued to do a little study, a little investigation. I came across a recent study by a Scientific American, and, and they did a survey. Uh, listen, there's a question for you here. They did a survey of 5,000 Americans. They asked them this question, if you have a secret, do you have a secret that is keeping you from living a full and joyful Life with rich relationships. Do you have a secret that's really blocking those things? So my question to you this morning is, what percentage of those people, of the 5,000, what would you guess what percentage were keeping, having a secret that was really keeping them from living abundantly? What would you say? Eddie, what would you say? What percentage? 15%, okay. Anybody, anybody, anybody higher? What do, you, what do you think? James, what do you think? 85%. He, he's going the other direction. Do we have a 50 there in the middle? How high? What do you think? 50? All right. What percentage? The results came back 97% of all respondents said they had one secret, at least one, that was keeping them from living an abundant life. 97%. Let that just sink in for a minute. People who are carrying a dead weight, people who are carrying a dark secret that's keeping them from living the life that Jesus intends for every one of us. John 10.10 10, the scripture says, Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. But secrets are thieves that still steal and kill and destroy that abundant life. You know what else was miraculous, supernatural about this week? I began to do this study, and honestly, that one word, that one word shame, started just to capture my thoughts. And then as I prepared and studied throughout the week, person after person, after a person I encountered throughout the week came in uncharacteristically and spoke that word, talked about a shame. I just wonder if there's some here today. By that statistic, with 97%, you would think that there probably are. Some that are carrying a, a secret, something that they've done, something that's been done to them that's keeping them from living that full and abundant life. Secrets are thieves that steal and kill and destroy. Is that true? Do you agree? There, there's been psychological studies that have been done that saying keeping a secret will lower your overall well-being. You'll have less satisfying relationship. 
They'll have a greater increase in anxiety, depressions, and symptoms of poor health. And this was shocking to me. If you have a secret that you're hiding, it can actually cause more uh, rapid progression of disease that already exists in your life. If asked about something related to your secret, it just comes up in a conversation, kind of bumps up against your secret, what do you have to do? Now you have to be very careful. You have to make sure that you're protected. You may even have to deceive just a little bit so that you're secret. And that, and, and that constant vigilance, that concealment is exhausting, and it puts up a barrier between people. When I always have to be on guard, when I always have to be protecting myself, not to mention, listen, listen, what does it do when we think we have a secret that we can't even bring to God? It separates us. It creates a barrier. I came that they may have life and life abundantly. So what I want to talk to you about today, assuming that we're not terribly different than the other folks, that there are people here today that are probably struggling with something from their past, something that's been done to them or that they've done. Listen, what can we secret keepers do to align ourselves with God's will? I want to offer you today three concrete things that you can do. And the first one is this. Are you ready? Say amen if you're ready. Number one is this. I want you to believe you are who God says you are. It may not make sense for just a minute, but hang on. I want you to believe you are who God says you are. One of the most frustrating things that I ever come into contact with is when people come in and they're talking to me about something and what they want to do is, is they want to identify who they are. And so what they often will do, listen, they'll pick something that they're not pleased with in their life. They'll pick something that, that, that maybe they're ashamed of. Maybe that is just the deepest, darkest secret. And they'll say, well, that's who I am. Does that make sense? So someone could come in and say, well, I... I, I I've been diagnosed bipolar, so that's, that's who I am. Or I, who are you? I'm, I'm divorced. I'm gay. I'm an addict. That's who I am. I'm an addict. Whether that's alcohol or, or drugs or, or, or pornography, that, that's who I am. I'm an addict. And every time someone wants to come in and just define themselves, that's who I am, I just... I just wanted everything, just no. That, that is a characteristic. That is an issue in your life, but, it, but it's not who you are. There's, there's so many other things that define each one of us. It's just not the, the most negative thing or the greatest struggle of our life. That's not what identifies me and captures me as a human being. Don't let that define you. Because when we start to think about that's who I am, I, I'm divorced, that's just who I am, if we start to think about that one negative thing, whatever it is, then we move from guilt to shame. Do you know the difference between guilt and shame? Listen, I'm going to say something that you may not believe in at, at first, but I think guilt is a gift from God. Guilt is a gift from God. Guilt is the thing the, the, the spirit speaking to your spirit, to any one of our spirits, saying, listen, beloved child, you have strayed from the path. Come back. Repent so that you can walk on the abundant path that I've prepared for you. That's what guilt was intended. 
Here's what guilt we've turned it into. We just live there. We never really address it. Maybe we're ashamed. Maybe we're not quite ready to give up what that thing is, whatever it is. And so we just live in it until that becomes who we are. And so then, then guilt turns into shame. I went and did a, a little study on what shame means. And one Christian counselor said this, guilt is feeling bad for what you have done or not done or what something has been done to you, while shame is feeling bad for who you are. You see the difference? He continues, on Sunday mornings assembled in the pews before us, we see many people struggling mightily with shame. Listen, if you don't hear anything else, you want to tune out after this, I hope you don't, but just listen to this thing. Neither guilt or shame defines who you are. Do do you believe that? Neither guilt nor shame. Listen, if you're going to point to one thing that defines who you are, it is whether you are in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the one thing that's going to identify is going to define me. And if we are born again... What, what defines us is that we are a child of the king. I'm not defined by the great struggle that I have, whatever it is. I am defined by my relationship with Jesus Christ. And he loved you so much that he would die on a cross to demonstrate it and prove it and remain and remove any barrier that stands between us. That's how much. He loves you. And that's the one thing that should define us above everything else. Listen, if there's other things that are going on in your life and you know that, 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 that whatever it is isn't in accordance with God's will, then address that. But let this one thing define you. God loves you. John 1.12 But as many as received him... To them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. That's the one thing. I'm a child of the king. And I have struggles. And God said he'll never give up on me. And I could never fall out of his hand. And all things are possible through Christ. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now listen, some of us have had wonderful fathers, and thank God for that. And some of us didn't have such great relationships with our fathers. But none of us, listen now, none of us have had such a father as our Father in heaven, whose whose love isn't contingent on your behavior. His love through the, through the blood of Jesus Christ, his love will never change. Here's the problem with that. Many of us have never experienced that kind of love in our relationships here. And so we have a hard time believing that God would love us in the same unconditional way. I have prayed for you this morning. I have prayed that the Holy Spirit would do something that I cannot do, which be to convince you that you have not outsinned the grace of God, that his love for you is eternal. It is based upon your faith in Jesus Christ, not in your perfection. 
And that should be good news for every one of us here today. You have not outsinned. You are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You have convinced yourself that you're alone in your secret, but you're not. And if you do have a secret, I just want to say again, if you have a secret that the Bible calls sin, then bring it to Jesus so that he can forgive you and heal you and put you back on the abundant path that he intended for you. Does that make sense to you this morning? Leads me to my second point. Isaiah 9, 6. Some of you scratched your head when I read this. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. You say, Pastor Cal, you've lost it. Maybe. That's a Christmas verse. No, that's a 365-day-a-year verse. Jesus is our wonderful counselor by the power of his Holy Spirit. Listen to what the Scripture says, John 16, 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. The Spirit will guide us and teach us. John 8, 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. James 1, 5, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. He'll give it generously. He'll give it abundantly. Isn't that the story of your life? If you go just humbly before God, I don't know what to do about this. I don't, I'm just so tangled up. Scripture says that he'll give it generously. Without reproach. Romans 8.26, in the same way the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. We take that secret, that thing that's holding us back, that thing that's dividing us from one another, and we lift it to the Holy Spirit. Take this. I don't even know how to pray. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of carrying this weight of the past. Listen, this is a supernatural gift of God that he would, he would not only do this for us, but he hungers for it. Just like any of you who are good parents, when your child hurts, you hurt, right? So we come with raised hands, Abba, Father. I, I remember uh, 1982, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And, uh, and uh, boy... It was a wondrous, talk about supernatural time. Literally, I was driving down the road. We were in Germany, and I was driving down the road, and I looked up, and, the, and literally I thought, I don't think the blue sky has ever been so blue. I literally thought that, and I looked at the, at the grass in, in the field. I thought, that grass, that, that's the greenest green I've ever seen. I, I felt like the Apostle Paul, literally, like scales had fallen from my eyes. I was seeing the world in a different, different way, and it was just wonderful and the spirit was like at every turn was was speaking to me and it was just feels so so blessed i don't know how it happened but a day came where all of a sudden the first time as a, a born again christian i had this knot in my stomach i didn't know how it got there maybe i hadn't spent enough time in prayer 
Maybe I was sliding back to some old ways. But all I knew is I felt this giant barrier between myself and our Lord. And so I couldn't tell Sandy why. I don't want her to think less of me. So now I've got a secret. And I don't know how to deal with it. So listen, I just went for a walk. I said, Sandy, I've got to go for a walk. We lived next to a beautiful lake in Germany, and it was freezing outside. I remember the days don't clearly. I went for a walk, and I just walked down to the water's edge. For some reason, I just kneeled down, you know, and I put my hand in that ice-cold water. And I started to pray, but it just wouldn't come out. I didn't even know how. I didn't even know where to begin. I just felt the Spirit in my heart just say, just begin. And so I said, Lord, Lord, forgive me. And as soon as I started with those words, he brought something to my mind. Something I had forgotten. Lord, forgive me. And he brings something else. But as soon as I said, forgive me, and, and he brought it to my mind, I'd say, yes, Lord, forgive me. And it was gone. It was gone. And he'd bring the next thing to me. I was so tied up in knots, I didn't know how to do it myself. And so what? We go to the wonderful counselor. We go to the Holy Spirit. Lord, forgive me. Over and over, over and over, the same thing. Just hand dipped in the water, just desperate for him. Lord, forgive me. The scripture, Psalm 32, your hand was heavy upon me while I hadn't confessed my sin. I was so tangled up, I didn't even know what to say. And time after time, I'd say, Lord, forgive me. And that spirit would just bring something. Some things that I didn't even think were sins. See, he was teaching me and guiding me. Some things that I'd forgotten. Some things I wouldn't even consider memories, but he was bringing to my attention. And it went on and on for a while because I was pretty tangled up. And I waited. And finally we'd come to the end. Did you ever, when your little kid gets spanked, and then there'd be tears, and then there'd be a moment where you'd hug mom or dad, you make this sound. <laughs> it's over. He's just, it's done. Cleansed. We don't have to carry it anymore. We don't have a secret that we've got to hide. And this is how wonderful our God is. If we confess our sins he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. It just dawns on me, maybe that was the point of the water. Just to feel clean. The third thing, number one, believe. Believe you are who God says you are. Number, number two, Go to the wonderful counselor and the prince of peace. Number three is this. God has also given us one another to bear each other up. And sometimes that includes helping to carry a secret from the darkness into the light. He's given us one another. Do you believe that? Listen, 97%, if we're you know, statistically about the same, 97% of us have something we're struggling with today. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we related to each other in that way? 
no masks. Remember how we hated the COVID masks? I'll tell you, mask is worse. Pretending like everything's okay when it's not okay. Right? He's given us one another to help us bear the weight. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. This is the command of scriptures. It says, bear one another's burdens. Literally, it means to carry, to, to take off, to tolerate, to, to help and to support, to lift someone up. And so sometimes that, that means seeking wise counsel. Sometimes that means a, a mature Christian, an elder of the church. There, there's been lots of times I've gone to, to, to some uh, men of the church that for me, that's, that's more comfortable. I'm struggling with something. I need your help. I need your guidance. There's maybe some things that you can see that I can't see. Some of us may go to a professional Christian counselor. You go, oh, nope, you went too far, Cal. I can't do that. That's for crazy people. Might make you uncomfortable. Yet the scripture says this, Proverbs 1.5, A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. And, and, and even so, it may make us uncomfortable to go to a counselor. Do you know this? Do you know I, over, over the last 21 years, uh, I've had people come from other churches. I've had people come from other churches. Listen, my wife and I are having a, a time of struggle. Will you, will you do marital counseling for me? And, or for us, and most of, the, most of the time I'll be able to say, yes, I'll come, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll do our best. And, and inevitably, at some point, I'll ask them, you know, after maybe a few weeks or even months, why didn't, why didn't you go to your own pastor? You know, the answer is 100% of the time, because I didn't want him to think less of me. Here's the truth. Let's just, let's just be real today. Your pastor has issues. Thank you for not saying amen. <laughs> All pastors have issues. And your pastor knows that you have issues too. So if we could just relate to each other that way, and when I'm weak and I need to go to you and ask for your counsel, I'll be able to trust you and know that I can. And when you're weak, I hope you can come to me. And I'll do the same for you because that is what? That's God's plan. That's the body of Christ. That's why it hurts so bad. It hurts so bad when a secret is shared. You know, you confess a secret to somebody and, they, and then it comes back around to you. Oh, my soul, do you know that what the Scripture calls that? A sin. To break a confidence is a sin. And of all places, we just go, no, not here. This is, what do we call this room right here? And sanctuary is what? It's a safe place, right? There's times all of us, you know, it, well, if the Lord is my strength, I can't be weak. Well, that's nonsense. I, I need to have it all together. I, I'm not sure why. It's going to hurt more to deal with the past than to ignore it and, and move forward. That's, that's not true either. 
If I just pray harder, counseling's just for serious problems. Proverbs 27.9 says, uh, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, so a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. Healing. When I was in seminary, it's not about me. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm not special, unique. But I just know from my own experience, I was in seminary, and seminary is a strange place because it'll, it'll make things bubble up that maybe you weren't aware of, you know? And... Um, I'll move. And, uh, and so there, I was about two years into uh, uh, seminary, and all of a sudden, um, I, was, I, was, uh, I was afraid to go to sleep because every night I was having the most horrific nightmares of, of my life. Just having horrific nightmares. I was just afraid to go to sleep. Was bringing up some stuff. I didn't understand the prayer. Or I didn't understand that I was going in prayer. I was trying to listen to the Holy Spirit. Nothing was working. And so finally, I said, "Well, I'll go to one of my professors." And and so I went to him. And I, at the end of class, and I said, "Hey, listen, can I have five minutes? I just need five minutes. I know I know you can fix this in five minutes." I said, "I said, listen, I'm having this situation, and uh, and uh, I just wondered, you know." whatever is remaining of our five minutes, if you could fix me. You know, that was, that. That was, the, that was the attitude. And he, and he looked at me and he said, he said, um, Cal, I don't think we can fix this in five minutes. He said, what, what I really think you need to do is I think you need to go and find a Christian counselor. This is how I responded. <laughs> That's my laugh of derision. And he went, wait a minute, called him on me just immediately. He said, wait a minute. Let me ask you something. He was like, wait. So let me ask you something. You're studying to be a pastor, aren't you? Yes. And people are going to come to you for counsel, aren't they? He said, yes. That you're too good to go to a counselor? I said, I think that I'm going to go find me a Christian counselor. He said, I think that's a good idea. And I did. And it helped. And I'll go back again if I ever need to. Because there were just some things that I couldn't see. And if I don't go to a professional Christian counselor, then I'll probably come to some of you. And if you come to me or I come to you, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm going to listen without judgment. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, now you are Christ's body and individually members of it, so I, I'm going to go to some of you. I hope you'll come to me. If you come, I'm going to listen without judgment. And, and, it, and if you come, I won't beat you over the head with the Bible but I hope I can open it as a love letter with you. And I'll try to bear you up and carry the weight if you need me to. And I'll respect your boundaries. But I will pray for you. 
Because God can simply do far more than I could ever do. And I'll keep your secret because it's a sin not to. And I want you to know that you're not alone. And if I've ever failed any of you in any of these things, I humbly beg your forgiveness. And when I come to you, I hope you'll do the same for me. Because 97%, that's just about everybody. Let's just go ahead and round up, huh? Has a pain that's weighing them down. And 97%, if we could just see each other through that one lens, that one truth, nobody better, nobody worse, everybody's still needing Jesus. And if someone is a little further down the spiritual path than somebody else, then it's only by the grace of God, and so it's nothing to be prideful about. And unashamedly, I just want to tell you, I don't think people understand this. You, you know, you bring a pastor on to be a servant of the church, and that's good. But I just want to tell you, I need you. Because we're the body of Christ. And you need me. Because that's God's good plan for his people. One last thing, and we'll be done. A few months ago... Uh, I heard a song that, again, just kind of captured my heart. And uh, it, I guess it's a song that's been around for a long time, but I, it's new to me. It's by a man named Hezekiah Walker. I don't know if you know the name. He, he's quite wonderful. And, and the song is, listen, listen to this title. This is something else. It's entitled, I Need You to Survive. That's a, that's a strong statement, isn't it? I, I need you. I need you to survive. Think about it. Is that right? Well, if each person is a member of the body of Christ, we, we need each other to survive, don't we? A, 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 a severed limb doesn't live by itself. We need each other to grow and to thrive. I'm not sure we think like that. I think, you know, and especially maybe in America, we got that John Wayne attitude, you know. Everybody's independent and everybody's responsible for themselves and I need you to survive. That's quite a thing. I want to play just a little bit of it. Listen, are, are you still awake? Are you still out there? Say amen if you're still out there. Thank you. Thank you for that. I want to play. I won't play the whole song because it goes on for a while. I just want to play two minutes. Now, it's an easy song. It's a simple song. If you want to sing along, if you've never even heard it before, you'll get the tune in just a minute. Just two minutes of it. Just listen. Listen not only with your ears, but your heart. Would you play that video? pray for you, you pray for me, I need you to survive, I won't harm you with the words of my mouth, I love you, I need you to survive, I'm going to ask you to do something today that we've never done before, it'll probably make some of you feel uncomfortable, but I just ask you to be strong and courageous, would you stand up right now please, listen I know it might feel a little awkward to you, but I'd like you to find someone next to you, not, a, not an immediate family member. And I want, you, I want you to go to them. And if you want to take a hand, that's okay. But the important thing is this. I want you to look in their eyes and say, I need you. And let them respond back in the same way. Let's try that one more time. I, I, I'll do it. Go ahead. Go ahead if you're comfortable with it. I need you. God bless you. Need you.
I need you. God bless you. God bless you. I need you. <laughs> I need you. I need you to survive. We are the body of Christ. I won't hurt you with the words of my mouth. And if I do slip up, forgive me. I need you to survive. Let's pray together. Holy Father, we thank you so much that you have brought us here together. I thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit moves supernaturally in the lives of your people. And I pray for those especially who have a secret that's weighing them down right now. May they see even their own lives through your eyes, through the eyes of love, that what defines us is that we are child of the King. Nothing more, nothing less. Move in our hearts today, Father. I know there's some may be hurting. Give us courage and strength. We love you. We need you. We need one another. In your holy name we pray. Amen. As God leads us in one last song, if you have some business, the Holy Spirit spoken to you today, say yes, whatever it is. If you'd like to join the church, the doors are wide open. If you just need to pray for a brother or sister, someone that you need that's hurting right now, or maybe you're hurting and you're just tired of carrying the weight by yourself, come as we sing this one last song.